Welcome to the Close Knit Podcast, a podcast that showcases fiber artists from around the world. You're listening to episode 11, and this week I spoke to Kate Smalley of Tracing Threads. Kate and I are email pen pals turned real-life friends. I found Kate through her blog, Tracing Threads, a few years ago when she posted about sewing and knitting projects and thoughts on life post-college. I'm so excited to have gotten the chance to chat to Kate in this capacity for the podcast, and fair warning, there's a fair bit of giggling. Kate tells me about how she got into knitting and more recently spinning, and her frustrated relationship to sewing. She gives some great advice for keeping yourself grounded and motivated when you're starting out, and she shares her blogging journey with us. Listen on for our whole chat. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, it's Ani of Close Knit, and I'm here with Kate Smalley of Tracing Threads. Hey, Kate. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. I am in Tasmania, and Kate is in Toronto, Canada. Yes, Toronto, and it's very cold, and we're supposed to get 20 centimeters of snow in the next, like, hour. Ooh, it's, like, beautifully sunshiny here. (laughs) It's technically the second day of autumn here, but yesterday it was, like, balmy and hot in Tasmania, especially Hobart. It's like supposed to get quite cold, but I haven't experienced that yet, so we'll see. Not as cold as Toronto, though. Definitely no, no like crazy snow. Yeah, we had hail yesterday, so you definitely win for weather. <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay, well, I'm going to jump straight in. Um, Kate, what's your fiber of choice, and what sort of craft medium do you gravitate towards the most? Um, right now, definitely wool. I probably knit the most. I find it really relaxing and really therapeutic. It's kind of like my comfort food and craft. Um, (laughs) I also sew a bit, but I find it really stressful actually, Mm. Um, which I hate because I always had this image in my mind that sewing would be this like wonderful creative expression and it would be like so freeing and relaxing, but it's just not for me. Um, Sorry, that's a little bit off topic, but yeah, wool. (laughs) Knitting I really like right now, and I started spinning, and I love that. Yeah. Um, So it's been neat to work with wool in different forms, and I find that really interesting about that material, that there's so much you can do with it. Yeah, that you can start from the sort of like greasy fleece and go to to a whole bobbin of, of yarn. Yeah, and I really, I'm excited to eventually spin yarn that I can use and then knit from it um, or better yet weave from it and then sew something out of that that's like the ultimate dream yeah 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 I think that that's such a such an exciting thing to be able to go from like you say like go from this the product straight off the animal's back more or less with like minimal processing and then turn it into something that you actually could wear and especially when you say like to be able to weave with that, weave your own fabric out of that, and then sew a garment out of that fabric. Like, is yeah, that's just mind-boggling. <laughs> I know, and it seems, it always seemed really impossible. <laughs> um, but now that I've started spinning, and I've only made one skein, so I'm not very far into it yet, but you just start to feel that, like, oh, it is possible, and it's just, like, one step at a time, and it's, yeah, it's totally doable. It might take me like a decade, but I'm going to get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
So earlier, Kate, before we started recording, Kate and I were talking a little bit about this like meeting that I go to every week, the Hand Spinners Guild. And um, it's a bunch of older women who are who are just like sitting and all spinning. And a lot of the times, like they're all spinning from different materials. And some of them are spinning from a greasy fleece, like just a straight up fleece that's come right off the sheep's back. And they keep saying like, oh yeah, I like to spin in the grease. Is that a thing that you do? <laughs> Don't really even know what it means. I've never heard that before. Um, and to be honest, I took a class, I took an intro to drop spinning class. Um, but other than that, I'm really not involved in the spinning world. Like, I don't read books about it. I don't go to groups about it. So I don't actually know any of the terminology, which is really embarrassing. Like, I own a wheel, and I couldn't even tell you what half the parts on it are. Um, which is, I know, bad in a sense. But I also think it works a little bit to my advantage because I don't have any ideas in my head of what's right and what's wrong. I'm just going by feel. Yeah. So there's nothing in my head saying like, okay, you have to spin a worsted weight or whatever it is. I'm purely going by what feels right. And mm-hmm. then when I run into a roadblock, then I go to Google or a book and say, okay, what the heck is whatever it is. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that's a pretty, that's an interesting point. Like earlier, an earlier episode, Caitlin Murray of Raglan Street Wears and I were talking about Um, her journey into knitting machines and she was like I just kind of started and there was no there were no real kind of guidebooks you could YouTube a few things but there wasn't much to go off of so she'd be making things up and then now as she's kind of gotten a few years into it she's realized that there are terms for what she was doing she just didn't know the terms back when she was doing it and that kind of thing and I feel like there's something about that like beginner's edge which kind of enables you to do stuff that other people would see as like the incorrect way of doing it or like not yeah something that something that's like not traditionally appropriate but then you could do something like really cool I think that actually now that I'm thinking of it I just had a little mini breakthrough I think that might be why uh, sewing is so hard for me Um, because I mean, I initially tried to teach myself and that was fine. But then after that, I approached it really seriously and I took classes, um, actually went to school for it for a couple of months and there was just so many rules around it. So I was really tense. Like as soon as I sat down to put fabric through, like my whole body tenses up and I'm just so anxious about messing up. Mm. So I actually, yeah, now that I'm thinking of it, maybe it's because I just had all these kind of expectations and rules in my mind and that kind of stopped me from actually getting things done yeah yeah I'm really glad you came back to that because I was thinking about um when you said that kind of you sew but it frustrates you or it stresses you out I kind of was like that immediately resonated for me I was like oh I, I you know I have I'm like babysitting my friend's sewing machine for six months and I haven't even touched it because I'm too scared to like accidentally do something wrong or like try to piece something together that doesn't really work or, you know, like kind of, or the sort of cutting a pattern incorrectly or just not knowing how to construct something and feeling so intimidated by the whole thing as a result. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm always intimidated by machines, like something that's really a handcraft, like knitting, embroidery, spinning, weaving doesn't intimidate me. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess once there's a machine involved, 
then I get kind of scared. And it's the same with my camera. Like I have a DSLR, which I'm so excited about. And I'm like, awesome, now I can take all these great photos. It's going to be great. But I'm just, I'm scared of it, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous, but I'm honestly scared of it. No. And I'm scared of what my sewing machine can do and I don't know how to use it properly. <laughs> no, it's totally not. It's not even, oh man, I'm laughing because I have an SLR as well that I got when I was 17 years old, I think. I'm now 24. And it was like probably two weeks ago that I tried turning it on to manual mode. Like literally two <laughs> yeah. weeks ago was the first time I ever tried putting it on to manual. And then that was how I started taking pictures for like my first pattern design. And I just was playing with one of the, um, I guess it's the aperture. Like, I don't even really know what it is, but it's just like a wheel on the side. And I started like playing with it and I was like, wow, oh my gosh, there's so much more light in these photos. I thought like automatic would just automatically give me whatever, like the best it could basically provide me <laughs> without having to do much. And it was, yeah. But I'm the same way, like just completely terrified. <laughs> like, what if I can't get it out of manual mode? Or like, what if I, I don't know what I'm terrified of. <laughs> like, what if I take a really bad picture? Like it's digital, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like all the mistakes are so easily fixable, whether it's with a camera or even with sewing, like you could just rip it out. Like there's nothing, no one's yeah. life is on the line here. Like we'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your favorite part about fiber arts and sort of within that, what's one thing that you're excited about right now? Um, I think kind of what we alluded to before, like I love the depth of it. I love that you can watch something all the way through the process and like have creative control over all of that. So for me right now, that means like, hey, I can take this fleece and I can spin it and then I can take that and I can apply it into yarn and then I can weave it and then I can sew it and now I have a garment and you have the whole history. Um, I think that's definitely the coolest part for me. Mm. Um, and what else did you ask? What am I excited about in the fiber world? Um I love when people combine stuff that you wouldn't expect. Mm. Like I started following someone on Instagram. I don't remember their handle, of course, because <laughs> why would I? Yeah. Um, and they do like concrete planters and then they weave or they like attach knitting to it or they weave Whoa. straw and attach that to it. Yeah. And it's just really unexpected, but it's so cool. And it's really neat to see how different natural materials can combine yeah um and like wood and wool is really neat um stuff like ceramics and wool that I know we've talked about before um yeah, yeah stuff like that always gets me really excited like stuff that you've never seen before thought of before yeah yeah kind of like a mixed media sort of approach yeah cool um, how, so you knit and you sew and you spin and you weave. Can you tell me about kind of how you got your start in those things and like which one maybe you kind of started with and like if someone taught you to do one of those things and how you've kind of, um, gone on your journey from there? Uh, my aunt is a big crocheter. 
So she taught me to crochet when I was, I think I was nine. Um, and I liked it, but it didn't like totally catch on. But I would do it randomly. Like if I was ever on a car trip, I went on a couple trips driving from Toronto to Nova Scotia with my family. So I'd just crochet in the car. Um, and in high school, I tried to teach myself to sew. I remember seeing this skirt at American Apparel that all my friends in school had, and I really wanted it. And my mom was like, I'm not buying that for you. And I was like, I don't have 60 bucks to spend on this. So I took the bus to Fabricland, <laughs> and I just kind of picked material and came home and um, just tried to teach myself to sew, and it was so horrible. It was a skirt made out of entirely lining fabric, um, and I loved it, and I wore it all the time, uh, which is really concerning now that I think back. <laughs> but that's how I started with sewing, and then I eventually got some proper lessons. Um, yeah. Where did... Where did spinning come in? That was only a year ago. Um, I've been really fortunate. A lot of uh, people in my family are family friends that used to be into craft. And as soon as they found out that I was interested in anything to do with handcraft, they just kind of give me everything they have. So I had people give me like all of their fleece stashes and like all of their old spinning materials and like weaving combs and stuff that I don't even know what it is, but they were just like, here, you're interested, you're young, this is awesome. Um, so from that, I guess I had a lot of fleece and other things to do with spinning. So I was like, okay, let's take a class and see if I like it. Yeah. And spinning came around for you after knitting though, right? You knew how to knit before you Oh yeah. Spin? So, um, I learned how to knit in university. Um, I taught myself because I wanted to make a sweater, and that was my first project, which I would not advise to anybody. <laughs> and I would go to this um, knitting store that was close to my mom's, and the woman Tova that runs it, she is from Norway, and she'd she would just sit down and teach me. I would be there, like, I didn't have a job for a month that summer, so I was just there every afternoon, and I would, like, bake them coffee cake and be like, please teach me, show me what I'm doing. <laughs> so I kind of, yeah, I learned in it that way by, like, sort of trying to teach myself and a lot of help from some very nice women. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, that started knitting. When was that? Was that, like, 2012-ish? I was... 19 so 2009 yeah wow I was just trying to place it with um when I would have like discovered tracing threads and found you <laughs> in like which I think was about probably 2012 or 2013 I think so. I don't even know to be honest but yeah a couple years later yeah yeah so I guess once you had started knitting and you were doing a bit of sewing and kind of discovering all this stuff, how did you, um, how did you kind of come to decide that you wanted to start blogging and write it, write about it on tracing threads? Like how did tracing threads come to be? Um, 
I thought about starting a blog for a while, and when I first thought about it, I thought about it as a resource page for Toronto um, makers, basically, um, to somewhere you could go and they would say like, okay, here's the fabric shops you can go to, here's the pros and cons of each one. If you're looking for this kind of fabric, you should go here. Mm. Um, there just wasn't, felt like there wasn't a lot of information for makers that were based in Toronto or just Canada in general. Um, like if you were trying to order fabric online, there's like crazy yeah. duties and taxes and all of that to get it over the border. Hmm. So something that was catered more to Canadians, I guess. Um, and that didn't really happen. I just started blogging about stuff that I was making. Um, and I remember following some crafter DIY bloggers and I'd be kind of frustrated by how things were portrayed, like everything was very perfect, very polished, and not that mm. I'm against that in any way, because it's beautiful and it's aesthetically pleasing and all of that, yeah. but it didn't always feel real to me, and it was like, where are the people talking about all the crap that you go through, and <laughs> the stuff that doesn't work out, and doesn't look good, and some of it just didn't feel uh, genuine to me, I guess, Yeah. so I guess I was conscious of when I started blogging that to not be hellbent about making it look perfect and to be honest about the process and the stuff that didn't work and, you know, posting stuff. And even while I was posting it, like some, this makeup bag I tried to sew in vinyl, like it's such a mess, it's such a disaster. But I was like, no, this is important to post. I still got to do it because what if someone else is like trying to do the same thing as me and they're stuck in the same spot? At least they could look at this and say, okay, so that idea doesn't work and that's why so I'm going to change it by doing this and then maybe mine's going to work yeah so yeah. I thought there'd still be value in sharing that definitely yeah I think I think I place a lot of value on the space that you're filling of not just mm -hmm. being another really polished perfect kind of DIY blog because there's a thousand of those <laughs> and half of the time for me at least like the instructions maybe aren't actually that easy to follow or they're just kind of glossing over some of the bits that um, took iteration and took took figuring out to work out how to get X and Y piece to fit together and make an actual seam and stuff. And I feel like that actually is that sort of trial and error process that you went through to work out how you got to a point where you made a proper point for that side of the bag or whatever is is a really good learning point like you say like it's a really good place for somebody else to be like oh I wanted to make something that was a slightly different shape but I understand why in practicality it doesn't work or why I might need to do this other thing to make it work I feel like that's that's always something I'm trying to find with like knitting techniques and knitting patterns is like oh I really want to make this shape but I can't quite figure out how to do that and I can't find any other patterns that do that shape. How do I like join this technique and this technique and this technique to make a thing that still like has structural integrity, but is the shape that I actually want it to be. And you kind of need those, like you need to see what went on in someone's head to figure out how they reached the point that they did. Yeah. And I, I think if, if you're asking it, like if you're sitting there, like, how the heck do I make this work? Mm. Chances are there's someone else in the world that's also sitting there and asking the exact same question. Like, you're probably not the only one 
stuck in the same spot or with the same idea. So, you know, it is valuable to see that online somewhere. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, so it's something I'm super interested in and I talked, I try to talk to as many people who craft or like run a handmade business or whatever, like do this sort of thing in some, do something creative in some capacity. Um, I try to talk to heaps of people about this because mostly because I selfishly want to know how they manage their time and stuff like that. Um, but I really wonder how you maintain motivation while you're learning these new crafts. Like it sounds to me like you've had a whole heap of different crafts that you've gotten interested in. How have you kind of kept motivated to keep learning about each of those things um, as you've picked up new crafts and stuff? Um, I think, I don't know, I've kind of struggled with that lately because sometimes I kind of step back and I'm like, okay, I have way too many interests and way too many hobbies. Like, what am I doing? And there's so much that I want to do. Like, I write down to-do lists of, like, project ideas and things that I want to do. And, okay, this is what I want to make this month. And it just gets out of control. It's like yeah. 0 to 60 real quick. <laughs> and it's, it's just not possible. So I'm like, what a what should I do? Should I focus? Like, okay, this month I'm only going to focus on weaving or I'm only going to focus on whatever it is. Like, I don't know the best way to, yeah, like manage my time or direct my, my efforts, I guess. Um, so I probably don't have a lot of great advice in that (laughs) field, but I guess what motivates me is I just get an idea in my head like usually I see something and like I just want to make that and it Mm -hmm. needs to happen and it's going to happen now Mm -hmm. Um, and I get very impatient when I'm in that space so if I get something in my head either act on it and make it or start it within like two hours or it's never going to happen I've kind of noticed that about myself Um, and then sometimes when I get these ideas it's something that's new that I haven't done before like I never dyed yarn before but I got that in my head a couple months ago, so I just had to figure it out. Um, and that's usually how I end up trying a new craft. Mm. Uh, yeah, but I'm definitely, I'm not particularly good at anything that I do or any one area. Like, I'm not a master knitter or a master sewer or really excellent at anything and sometimes I feel like I should be like I should be focusing on one thing because Mm -hmm. you know people will ask you about something like oh you sew so you know what do you make do you sew your whole wardrobe I'm like well no I just kind of dabble (laughs) yeah I don't know but I'm I'm getting to be okay with that I'm that I'm sort of scattered but there is, yeah, some struggle in staying motivated. And I definitely find it's kind of cyclical for me. Mm. I go through spurts where I do a lot or like I knit a lot and then I just don't even touch it for months. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you find that at all. Yeah. With the stuff that you do. Yeah. Yes. I. It's funny because a couple years ago now I designed a collection for... A Spain-based company and 
I was knitting like all the time and trying to like it was the first time I'd ever really tried to like design properly from start to finish and do the write the patterns and edit the patterns and and do the whole production of the shoot and everything like that and I stopped knitting after I finished that collection of like six pieces which weren't that challenging of knits but um something about that just like I really lost my mojo and I was actually thinking about this the other day because somebody had asked me like do you ever get sick of knitting and I was like trying to remember a time where I got sick of knitting and so this was like I think it was the very beginning of 2015 I picked up some yarn that I had from Goodnight uh, Day from Canada oh yeah yeah a pattern that she had written yeah so I had I'd picked up like a few skeins of this like fair trade um like thick and thin spun yarn that she sources from like Paraguay sorry I'm gonna mess that up um and I had like I'd found I'd like gone through my stash of patterns and like had found this sweater that I'd intended to knit for ages but just never did like I'd cast it on and then I mucked up the it was like a top-down raglan increase sweater on really bulky needles and I was like okay this could probably be like my first sweater I could probably work this out and I mucked up the raglan increases a few times like a couple of years back and then finally, for some reason, I think it was like New Year's Day of 2015, I just like sat down with some knitting and knit that sweater in like a few days or something because it's like on, you know, size, I don't even know, they're hanging on my wall and they're like size 35 US needles or something. And they're like, they had, she had to get them like custom made because they're so huge. Um, and then suddenly it was like, oh, knitting, this is the thing I like doing. Um, but it's funny because since then, I don't really feel like I've ever had a period of like, of months where I've been like, I don't, I don't really feel like knitting. Like I've definitely had a few days or maybe like a week or something where, especially cause my hands have kind of started hurting, <laughs> which is like terrifying. Um, I'll kind of put the knitting down and try to work on something else. And I'm trying to have a few different things going because I think that that, will enable me to kind of, well, the RSI is less likely to happen, like repetitive stress injury stuff, if I have weaving as well. But then I kind of feel like, like we've kind of talked about in the past, like having those multiple things going gives you like kind of a perspective that you might not have had if you were just knitting all the time. Like now I'm kind of interested in knitting tapestries and how that would work. Yeah. And, you know, stuff that's informed by the fact that I'm trying to weave and things like that. Um, sorry, I just had something to say and it totally flew out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> um, sorry, yeah, but I, I guess as long as, I think as long as you feel like you have creative control over what you're doing, then it doesn't it's easier to keep going. Like for you not getting tired of knitting, you're really getting to dictate what you do every day. You're not knitting for a job or knitting to please other people. It's just, you know, to some extent you wake up and it's like, okay, what do I want to actually spend my time on today? Sorry, let's just edit this whole little bit out. <laughs> my head just like <laughs> shut down. No, it's, it's all good. No, I, I agree though that like, 
Um, I think maybe part of what's what made me feel like not knitting for that period of time was actually that I didn't like I had created control over the, technically what pieces I was making, but because I'd kind of submitted a proposal of like, these are roughly what the things will be. And like, it was a really strict timeline of like, you need to get these five pieces out in like a month or however long it was. It was pretty, it felt pretty short, especially at the time because I wasn't the fastest knitter and I was <laughs> um, working a full-time job and stuff too. Um, yeah, it kind of felt like, I didn't actually get the, a chance to like realize them as what I wanted them to really be. Like they kind of came out and it was like, yeah, cool. There's, those are things that I've made, but if I'd had another two months or whatever, I probably would have like drafted this up differently. I would have done this differently. And like, it's good for that reason. It's good to sort of have that happen to, to see that all happen, like to see all that whole process through and realize how much work goes into it. But, yeah, I think the, the getting to do it all out on your timeline and and really realize it in a way that you kind of see it happening is really a nice, valuable thing to do. I have a question about blogging motivation because I kind of have a blog, I guess, and most of the time I... Well, I don't post that frequently <laughs> at all. I had this whole, like, I'm going to post once a week, and then I'm going to post this sort of series once a month, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I kind of roughly stuck, stuck to that for the first two or three months, but, like, not at all anymore. But um, how have you found that? Has your motivation for writing stuff for Tracing Threads kind of waxed and waned over time? Um, yes, that's been pretty brutal. Um, it's kind of funny, like, I guess I've had tracing threads for, I don't even know how long, but I guess three years. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm really not much of a blogger. <laughs> like I only have a handful of posts. I have little spurts where I blog once a week and maybe that lasts for like a month or something. And then I'll have like four months of radio silence. Um, so it's definitely not consistent and I don't I've really struggled with that um and I've had to recently kind of sit myself down and be like okay why why is it like this like I keep saying to myself I want to blog more and I'll sit down and write out like you said like okay I want to do this series every month and mm. one of these types of posts every month and one of these types of posts and then it just never happens um and I think I've just put too much pressure on myself which is ridiculous because it's not even a thing it's not like I have some big following or this wonderful platform but I still have this pressure in my mind and it's never been casual and that just stops me from doing things and it actually stops me from making sometimes mm-hmm I guess kind of a little bit to your last question because a lot of times at night I'll be like, oh, I'm going to start doing something. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, I should wait till morning when there's good lighting so I can photo it and like do a step by step and then yeah. I'll just not even do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and every, every post felt like such an undertaking for me and it has to have 
like a bunch of text and it has to be like really meaningful and blah, blah, blah. And I have a really hard time finding my voice and just sounding natural and sounding like me and not sounding like a doofus, <laughs> which, which I do when I read back my old writing. I'm like, who is this idiot? Like, I don't even know who's blogging this. Um, so that's, yeah, definitely an ongoing struggle for me. But I'm hoping now that I've kind of adjusted my mindset a bit, that it'll be easier. I've kind of formally given myself permission that a post can be a couple pictures and a couple lines of text and that's it Mm -hmm. yeah and it doesn't have to be this huge thing and I really hate taking pictures of myself but I really like if I make a hat or if I make a clothing like you need to see it on a body Mm -hmm. at least to me you do Um, but I just hate taking pictures of myself so I never do it so I kind of have to be more gentle with myself that like look you can just take a random selfie it doesn't have to be this like perfectly poised stage thing with like a beautiful graffiti wall in the background like it's okay (laughs) or a brick wall or something (laughs) yeah 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 I can totally relate to that sort of like feeling of I don't know putting putting this weird pressure or like even a guideline of like oh but a blog post isn't a blog post until it has this 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 and this and like putting off doing something until you have the proper light to be able to take a photo because you know that so much of engaging with people and finding a community of folks is dependent on aesthetic and like putting a nice image that people like looking at and it's kind of a bizarre I don't know it's a bizarre thing I think that I kind of also will struggle with. And I'm trying to just sort of be like, I'm just going to post when I feel like posting and I'm going to, you know, write the things that feel authentic and true to write and post photos that are a little bit grainy because they came from my iPhone because it couldn't be fast to to like... (laughs) to go get out the SLR and try to work out how to use that (laughs) and that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you like? Do you feel guilty if you don't post? Um, I think so. I tried to start blogging when I first moved to Australia, just being like, "I'm living in Australia," da, 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 da. and I wrote like two or three posts, and they were like so carefully crafted, and they were so like not really my voice, and just really bizarre. Um, And I did feel, I felt weird putting the posts together, but I felt bad when I didn't post them. And yeah, I guess guilt to a certain extent. And I had this whole idea that I wanted it to be like a DIY blog and I was going to have tutorials and things like that. But um, I think because that was like a few years ago and I basically after that experience, I was like, I'm not going to blog. Like, what is the point? There are so many other blogs out there. Like, why would I blog? And then coming back around with the close knit blog, it's kind of been like, um, it's come, I feel like it's come out of a much more natural place of like, there are a ton of other blogs out there. So I don't have to be a DIY, DIY blog. That's just, I'm not, it's just not going to happen. And I didn't really set expectations of exactly what this blog would be. But I basically thought, okay, it'll be a way of like showing a little bit of what's going on in my life 
in my like in relation to knitting but also in relation to just like trying to be an adult and like working out that sort of stuff and um yeah and sort of with the close-knit blog I feel like I don't feel as bad if I go weeks without posting uh, what's on my needles or whatever I kind of just go whoops sorry like <laughs> missed a few weeks mm -hmm. but like here's a big old catch-up post if you want to read it and I guess I've kind of just resigned to that of like if somebody really wants to read a long catch-up post of all the things that I've been knitting for the last week great if they don't want to read that whatever like I put it out there and it was a thing that could exist and people could read and it has a few dodgy looking photos with it and um, and I guess the other thing with the blog is that I've put up a couple of like posts that feel a lot more vulnerable and a lot more kind of real and true to what my life has actually looked like over the past couple of years, which hasn't always been pretty. Yeah, like your roundup, that roundup post with the nine Instagram photos and like, this is what 215 actually looks yeah. like. Yeah, well, and it's so funny because like, here's this Instagram pretty thing of like this beautiful color palette of like ocean and linen and wool and stuff. And then it's like that wasn't really what happened. Like, sure, there were days where that happened, and I'm thankful for those days, but, like, that's not what happened. Um, and I think it's been really nice. I've, I've really enjoyed having that, like, I'm kind of calling it the, like, learning as I go part of the blog, and I'm really enjoying having that space to kind of be like, hey, heads up, this is, like, not necessarily knitting-related, but if you, like, want to know more about what's actually happening with my real life, like, sure take a read if you want but it almost feels like it, I think what it is, it is is it's felt better to just like write what feels like me and um not like write something because I think somebody else wants to read it I'm just writing the thing because it's true right now yeah you know and that and it's so funny because I feel like I read so much about like serving your community and engaging your fans and yada yada and I'm putting all this in air quotes but just like stuff that in some ways is true like of course you do want to engage your readership or provide value in some way or another but that's kind of not how I see the blog like I don't necessarily think I need am providing value you know what I mean like it's in value again air quotes um like it's sort of like the the anti-capitalist love notes that are kind of going around social media that that have a little like flower and then it says you are worth so much more than your productivity and I kind of feel like that's a little bit what the blog is for me of just like this is just a space to like spurt out some thoughts and um and like just and talk about what's coming up for me as I'm crafting as I'm learning more about slow fashion as I'm thinking more about how um craft can become a business and whether that's even possible and how to balance these things with a healthy life and how to balance these things with a relationship and you know a partnership and friendships and family that lives across the globe and like having a space to kind of just like be open about that stuff I think I didn't necessarily want or need before but has felt kind of like a want and a need in the past several months and it has felt kind of nice just to put it somewhere and it's again it's kind of this funny thing of like what did people do before the internet like they I could have just written this stuff in a diary and like why can't why can't it just be for me you know but I guess 
with some of that stuff, I kind of wonder maybe it'll resonate for other people or maybe that'll kind of pull back this facade of perfection or whatever we're like trying to achieve on our little Instagram feeds and stuff. Yeah, I, I totally know what you mean by that because, yeah, when I did this whole kind of rethink thing and like, okay, why the heck am I even blogging if it's so hard for me? And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, why can't, why don't I just do this stuff, make this stuff, write this stuff and not share it? Mm-hmm. But there's something about sharing it, just knowing that you have that's really different. And mm-hmm. I'm even now trying to approach it that, like, I'm not writing this for anybody else. Part of me doesn't even want anyone to read anything <laughs> that I write. Like, I'm just doing it for me. Yeah. But it's still, it just, I still get a lot out of the fact that it is shared and then but yeah I don't really know what that is I guess just that option that somebody might find it that might be in the same headspace that you are yeah and connect with it or find value or yeah whatever it is well and it's funny not to like reveal too much about our friendship on on podcast but um it was your a blog post that you wrote in like 2013 or something about having just like, like being out of college and not really knowing what you were doing and feeling kind of wayward and a bit like, I don't really know if I want to pursue this thing or what, you know, I don't really want to pursue what I studied. What do I do from here? That, um, that was like the reason that I originally like reached out to you and was like, Hey, (laughs) I feel exactly the same way as you. And yeah, I guess like if if like a friendship, like if a long distance friendship can come out of sharing something like that, then like that, I guess for me, that almost feels like reason and reason enough alone to share it, you know? Yeah, totally. It's like the best proof. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, what is the, this is a little bit unrelated, but what is the biggest bit of advice that you have for someone who's just starting out with fiber arts in any capacity? Um, I guess kind of like what we've talked about is just to not have too many assumptions or expectations on yourself. Cause I feel like a lot of people starting something now, you see like someone's Instagram feed of them knitting or whatever it is. And it looks beautiful and it's all like. I don't know, this wonderful color scheme and there's a cat and tea and it's just like lovely and wonderful. (laughs) And you get this image in your head of what it should feel like, what it should feel like to knit or what it should feel like to sew. And then when you start and your reality doesn't match up with that, I think it's really defeating. And if you start knitting and you don't get it right away and it's really easy to say, to start saying, like, oh, I'm an idiot. Why can't I do this? I'm so stupid. She can do it and I can't do it. Like, you know, I think it's really easy for people to start bashing themselves and then just give up and quit because yeah, as wonderful as social media and everything is, it also presents an image that isn't maybe necessarily reality. And so when you reach these, like, roadblocks when you're learning, I think... Yeah, it's maybe easier for people to kind of give up or walk away Um, and that you just need to stick with it 
and to also remember that you don't have to love every part of something. So if you're someone that likes to sew, it does not mean that you have to love cutting out a pattern. Like just because you like to sew doesn't mean you like love and live for every single aspect. Like there's, you're allowed to dislike or hate parts of a craft. Like I don't like seaming. I love to knit, but like I hate Mm -hmm. seaming. I just don't like it. But you know, that's okay. You just like push through those parts and it's okay not to love everything and it's okay for it not to feel like Instagram perfection every single second. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. Um, or you're like me and you entirely avoid seams by just knitting everything top down. <laughs> Never going to seam again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got to start doing that. Yeah. Um, okay. And I like asking this question because I feel like there are so many people in the community but because there are so many people in this community it's like you won't always find all of them um who do you think we need to be following in the fiber arts world definitely the blog middle gray um m-i-d-d-l-e-g-r-a-y um her first name is nina Mm -hmm. i can't pronounce her last name she's i think she's swedish um i forget where she lives in sweden she does like knitting, sewing, weaving. Everything she does is just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's photographed so well, but not in that like cheesy perfectionist way, just in like incredibly thoughtful. And you just know that like it's just what she naturally throws together. But to me, it's just like creative genius, <laughs> like just the way she displays things. And her blogs are really image heavy. And then she just has like a little explanation text on the side. And I like that. Mm. Um, I find it's really neat following bloggers in different areas of the world that have Mm. different kind of backgrounds and customs. And you're more likely to see things that you haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And also someone on Instagram named Uta. I think her handle is Uta, U-T-E underscore I-G. Yes. You're nodding as in yes. yes. Yeah. Because I love her. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. all her sewing, knitting, just everything she does, her like nature, hike, photos, just yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like also I, I was totally mispronouncing her name in my mind. I was like, Ute. What a nice name. Ute. <laughs> it might be, but I, I have a, a German right. friend whose name is Uta and it's spelled oh. like that. Yeah. But she's German. I don't know. So maybe it is. I don't know. I'm just saying yeah. Uta because I have a friend with a name spelt that way and it's pronounced yeah. Uta. So. Yeah. No, I, every time she posts something that she's sewn or knitted, I'm like, oh yeah, yep. Oh yeah. I want to make that too. Like add that to the list. Like she's sewing my perfect wardrobe basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are the two that I can think of, of their names and handles and everything right now. Cool. Perfect. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thanks, Kate. That was really great. Yeah, that was fun. Um, Cheers. I felt incredibly awkward for most of this. I'm really glad we did it. <laughs> Me too. You've just listened to episode 11 of the Close Knit Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider reviewing and rating it on iTunes to help us spread the word to more people in the fiber community. Show notes for this episode can be found on my website, closeknit.com.au slash podcast. Till next time.